Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Now listen to the next few verses. But now you must also. Just let me, before I read on, there's almost like Paul is saying, these are some of the big things that you've got to put off. You've got to shake off. And we'd all agree, sexual immorality, impurity, it's not good to have affairs. It's not good to do those things. Even those who, who may not be in faith know that it's not right to do those things. They're the bigger things that people automatically go to when we talk about the word sin. But Paul goes deeper. Because he then goes into verse 8. Verse eight, and he now then says, but now you must also... There's almost like a subcategory, not less sinful, but, you know, it's, I, I get the feeling that some of these things actually we think they're okay. But Paul's saying, actually, these are, these are stopping God's blessing over your life and over your church. And then he says, these are the things, rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now, it doesn't directly say criticism, but, you know, there are some version, versions that talk about malice and slander in meanness. So when I'm talking about criticism, I'm talking about criticism. I'm talking about meanness. I'm talking about judgmental harshness. Have you got the picture? This is what I'm talking about when, when, when I'm saying this. And I think this is the thing that God is saying to us. Listen, church, stop it. Just tap your neighbor next to you and just say, stop it. We need to stop it. I, 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 we, we coined this phrase because, you know, you, those who've had kids here, you sometimes have to find yourself saying what? Stop it. And, and, and Caroline does it so nice in the car. She'll turn around and say, stop it, children. I go, stop it. <laughs> Anybody else in the latter? <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and sometimes Caroline has, to, Caroline has to say to me, stop it. And sometimes I have to say to her, Stop it. You see, it's not just about children. And sometimes in the church, without me actually using those words, what I'm actually saying to you is, stop it. Stop it. And sometimes my leaders have to say to me sometimes, very kindly, stop it. You see, we all need this God over our lives. And particularly in the area of criticism. Now, let me define criticism. This is a disapproval of someone or something on the basis of perceived faults or mistakes. So this is where you're disapproving of usually someone and it's on the basis that you perceive they're at fault or they have lots of mistakes. I want to tell you a bit of a story that I came across. There was a man and his wife and they'd gone into a a petrol station. In that petrol station, there was a person who was just making a meager living off just washing windscreens. And of course, we need that now, don't we, with all the flies and the bugs and they hit the screens and all the rest of it. And um, so anyway, he said to the guy there, yeah, please clean the windscreen. Well, he cleaned it and the guy was furious and he said, there's still marks there. So this guy humbly said, okay, I'm sorry, sir, washes it again. And the guy looks again and said, there's still marks there, very angrily now, getting more and more agitated. So the guy washes it again. 
And still the guy is not happy because he says, there's marks all over this windscreen. And because you've had three failed attempts, I'm now going to go and talk to your boss. His wife leans over to the man who's shouting, takes off his glasses, wipes them, puts them back on. And he realizes as he slumps in his seat that he was at fault all along. What a story. How many times... Do we criticize people and yet the fault can often lie with ourselves? We all do it. We all have done it. I've done it. I've done it with other churches and other church leaders, other ministries and other ministers. When you hear of, you think excess and you hear that, you know, somebody's doing this and they're earning this and they're driving this and... I have to say I haven't done that for years, but I was just recollecting and this was happening and you have a lot to say for yourself. But the reality is I don't know what's happening in those people's hearts. And so, you know, we always have to be very, very careful what we do. This plays out with Phil. He's not here today. They're at a, they're at a wedding. I didn't ask him for this, but it is a little illustration. It's not reality. You know, Phil could be preaching and you're you're there and you're chatting and you say, didn't he do well today? But he does get a bit overexcited at times, doesn't he? (laughs) Or Tim and Helen, this lovely Helen's led today and they're really nice people, aren't they? I'm really glad that they've, they've come to this church. And really, this is only an illustration, by the way. Okay. But I saw them at first Tuesday. And they said hello to everyone else. But they didn't come and say hello to me. So we say something nice, but then we criticize. The reality is it's probably when that's been happened and leveled against me. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't blanking them. And that wasn't a real illustration, by the way. I know that oftentimes I have been the meal over the dinner table. Because the pastor is eating, not literally. You might say, oh, there's plenty to go around for everybody. Let's have a feast. Well, you said, look at what Christian did today. Look at his children. We was with a pastor very, very recently. Some people in the church had said some awful things about his children. And we were just encouraging his, his wife to challenge that behavior. They may, some people have said, look, what's he wearing? Why did he have to bring out that Liverpool scarf this morning? <laughs> Guys, don't take yourself too seriously. He went on too long. Yeah, I often do. And he goes on and on and on and on. Are you with me? Yes. Criticism. And we all do it. Now, let me define before we delve into the scripture, because I want to give us some scriptures. We're going to read three passages. I'm going to make three points, and then I'm going to conclude it. But before I go there, I'm just giving you an idea of what this looks like in the church, but also we can see it outside in the media, can't we? They're always wanting to pull somebody down. They're always wanting to drag somebody down to the lowest common denominator. And sometimes that's true, and sometimes it's not true. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read and certainly don't believe everything you read on the internet. So the difference between criticism and correction because it's been leveled against me and I know as a result of this now people will say when I want to correct, oh you're just criticizing, I've had that leveled against me. Not true. 
Because if we take this to the absolute extreme without understanding this, we have no right to challenge our children because we're criticising them. It's not criticising. It's coaching. It's mentoring. It's setting boundaries. It's helping. It's to cause them to live a bigger life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And Jane and Helen are going to need to understand that as they're handling little kids because otherwise, oh no, you can't say anything. And that is the crackers world in which we live. You can't say anything about anything. I don't want to ride a hobby horse here, but that is not criticism. The difference between criticism and correction is all about this thing, the heart, the heart motive. And let me tell you, when I've had difficult conversations with people in this church, you need to know, before I go into those difficult conversations, I always search my heart. I say, Lord, if there's any ounce of me in this, deal with me. Because I want the very best and that is the difference. With criticising, you just want to drag them down and bring them down. But when you come with a correction, you want to lift them up and cause them to live bigger lives. And that is why this church will continue to challenge behaviour. Because we believe in heart motive correction. What we are not interested in is judgmental harshness, meanness, mean-spirited criticism. Can I hear a big amen? Are you understanding the difference? Do you understand the difference? So we need to stop it. We need to stop it. I'm grateful. I brag on you guys. I tell everybody where I go that I have the best church in the world. Listen, listen, I, I honestly believe I have the best church in the whole wide world. I really do mean that sincerely. I'm so glad that God called us to here and planted us here. I know that we are not perfect. We now we are not perfect. But I tell you what, we've got a great heart. I'm not bothered what people say about Ilkeston and the East Midlands or whatever. I love being here. Can I hear a big amen? But what makes this church good is that we guard these areas. So I'm just putting an underscore around this. You see, because it's easy for us to get entangled and we're not even aware of it. We start being harsh and mean and we think it's okay. And the other thing is, it makes us feel better about ourselves. That's often why people do it. But we need to stop it. So three passages, they'll come on the screen. I'm just going to literally read them. I'm going to read them slowly and then I'm just going to make three points, if that's okay. Because the Bible has a lot to say about this. I will say, am I speaking to anybody today? Is anybody hearing me today? I said to Caroline, and she said, I've been ironing your shirt, and I prayed that there'd be anointing on this shirt when she gave it to me. Because I said to her, I need, really need the Lord to help me with this message, and we've been praying about it. Because we want to land this. Because these are the kinds of things, because it's not the big stuff that usually affects the church. It's this stuff. It's this stuff. And we want to deal with this stuff. So three passages. First of all, in Matthew in chapter 7 and verse 1 to 5. And I'm just going to read from the message. We, I understand it's a contemporary take. But it's really, really helpful. And in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Jesus is speaking to the crowd. And he's basically saying, is, look, don't pick on people. Don't, don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. 
Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. We have a rule in our house. It doesn't always work perfect, perfect, but it's this. And I was taught it by my mum and dad, and Caroline was taught it by her mum and dad. Thank God for good parents. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So, Isaac, you can't be harsh with your sister, because in the same treatment you give that, it'll come back to you. The same measure. I like that. I like his voice. (laughs) Let's carry on. That critical spirit, which he's talking about, has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on yours. I'm just saying. Jesus is just saying. And I just had two words at the end of it. Stop it. Stop it. Let's move on now, shall we, to the Old Testament. I'd encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. And by the way, Jay and Helen bought me a lovely gift called the Passion Translation. Very grateful for gifts. And I'm not, that isn't plug, but it was lovely that they bought me. And that isn't why I held up their, you know, little boy. Okay, I, I do it for everybody. You always find yourself in trouble. You see everybody. This is why you have to then be forever. I don't need. Stop it. There's a pureness to it. Yeah. Anyway, I was reading the just reading through. It's a beautiful translation, and I love. I just said the book of Proverbs, and he said it's not just done the New Testament, but they've also done Psalms and the Proverbs and the Song Song of Songs. And um, back to Proverbs. It's a great book. They encourage anybody who really wants to be successful in life. To read it, 31 chapters, one for every day of the month. And this is what it says in Proverbs 10 verse 17. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. This is healthy correction. People who receive discipline, you're on the pathway to life. Young people, look at me. Stop, stop it. Saying, everybody's getting on to me. Everybody's picking on me. Anybody else got a teenager? Who knows? Or you might have a husband like that. Ladies, don't comment, okay? If it's done out of a right heart, and you receive that discipline... It's the path, this is the Bible, this isn't my words, it's the pathway to life. Who wants to have that life in all of its fullness? But those who ignore correction will go astray. Verse 18, hiding hatred makes you a liar. Listen, slandering others makes you a fool. I have been in context where it's gone way too far. And actually, the person who's now talking looks a complete, I'm going to say it, we're not allowed to say it in our house, but I can say it in the church, idiot. And everybody knows it. Because they're just slandering, they're mean-spirited, they're harsh, and they think they're okay. No, they're not. And I am not talking about something that's outside the church. Unfortunately, I'm often talking about a group in the church. Verse 19, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible, this is the Bible, and keep your mouth shut. 
Does anybody need a, 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 just an, a help to understand what that last bit means? I'm being... The Bible is so plain, so clear, so profoundly simple. I'll read it again. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. If you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything. Yeah, I think that is deserved of a... So we've looked to the words of Jesus, we've now looked to the words of Proverbs, which is incredibly profound, and now we're going to go to something that is a very, very theological book, certainly in the context of grace, because I want to take us back to the New Testament and look at the book of Romans. But again, to simplify it, I'm going to take it from a contemporary version, because Paul is now addressing this church in Rome. So the church is now started, the early church is now established, And this is what he says, verse 1 from Romans chapter 2. Those people are on a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on the high ground, where you can point your finger at others, think again. So he's saying basically, they're going somewhere where they shouldn't be going, but that does not give you an excuse to start pointing fingers and throwing stones. Because every time... You criticize someone, you condemn yourself. I don't care whether you think your boss is a prat. I don't care whether you think that your neighbors are complete buffoons. I don't care whether you, I I really don't. The Bible is very, very clear. Because every time we criticize, we condemn condemn ourselves. And then Paul goes on to say, it takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others, listen, is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. Whoa. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all such smoke screens And holds you to what you've done. Wow. Who is saying this? The Bible. God is speaking to us. And here on the 2nd of June 2019. The day after Liverpool picked up the Champions League title. I'm just saying. Don't criticize me. Okay. I'm just speaking truth. God is making this point to us here. He's saying slander, meanness, judgmental harshness, and criticism. They're wrong. Stop it. Now I want you to understand these. So there's the Bible. And there's often a word at the end of the Bible, particularly in the Psalms, it means selah. Which basically means just pause for thought, reflection. But I just want to give three things to us. Because everybody needs to hear this, including me. Three things for you to understand as we think about criticism. Every time you criticize someone, it's from these verses, you condemn yourself. It takes one to no one 
And we need to be careful with our language. I've already dis- I don't need to go over old ground. The difference between correction, heart motive, and judgmental harshness. Because the fact is, that is the reality that we do. We bring others down. In fact, Ephesians 4 verse 29 says this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I love being around people. And we actually try to surround ourselves with people who speak good things. Who speak good things. We can all have a rant and we then need correction. And I, need, I, I do that as well. I'm not saying it's right, but that can happen. But ultimately, I want to be around people and I want to be around a church that builds people up. The words of our mouth are good and helpful and are not discouraging because, you know, if we speak discouragement, it'll come back to us. And every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. Number two, I think it's uh, important that we understand this. We need to keep a watch over our mouth. I'm just repeating so you can understand these verses. We keep a watch over our mouth. Proverbs 10 verse 19 says it this way. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Psalm 39 verse 1 It says, I said, and this is David speaking, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth. I will put a muzzle. Now, I know it's in the context of amongst the wicked, but I just think there's a a principle here that we keep a, a watch over our tongues and we keep a muzzle over our mouth. And for those who are married, and some of you aren't today, you're gonna have to find someone else who can help you with that. But certainly that is the responsibility of each other. Uh, I, I, just to help you, if I think Caroline is going over, over, overly negative, I will say so. Now, I wanna do that in a spirit of compassion and love, But I'll say that to her. In the same way, she will make me accountable. This is our life. This is how it works. For those who haven't got Christian partners, I understand. And those who haven't got a partner, this is why it's important to get in a group. Because in the, and you small group leaders are now nodding your heads because this is where we keep one another accountable. And you soon know if people are in it because they get easily offended. And you can sniff it, whatever you want to say is, well, I'm just saying what I need to say. I've had that leveled against myself. Well, I just, you just needed to be told. It's just how they said it. It's harshness, meanness. Do you understand how many mean things I've ever said? It's not about me. Mean things that have been said to me that are not true. And the same thing could apply to you. And we need to stop it. So we need to keep a watch over our mouth. And thirdly, judgmental criticism can be a smokescreen. All I want to say on this is, and this has been my life, when I have been tempted to judge and be critical, there are two things that it does. Number one, it covers up my insecurities. They're getting on well, and I'm not doing so well, so I want to say something about them. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And often it can be a smokescreen to cover up our insecurities. And by the way, God wants to be your security. God wants to be your help. God wants to be your strength. 
you, you know, you, you, this is why, again, we need to be working with others. If there are insecurities, then be open with them. Not with everybody, but I've just got an issue. I want to work it through. Because God doesn't want you to be bound up by insecurities. He really doesn't. He wants you to be comfortable with who you are and what God has called you to be. Can I hear an amen? But oftentimes it can cover up our insecurities. And it can also, at times, cover up crimes and misdemeanors. Wasn't this church, I was aware of a context in another church where, shockingly, a man was having repeated affairs in the church many, many years ago. But he then transpired that the person wanted to catch the other person out because he was connected. The person who... Let me give you a con. Yeah, without, I don't want to go into too much. Anyway, he wanted to catch him out. But the person who wanted to catch him out, he too, he too was having multiple affairs. If there's ever log spec, it's that. I'm just saying. Now, both the contexts were wrong. Stop it. But what I'm saying is, the judgmental criticism of this man was a smokescreen to cover his misdemeanors and his life. And this is what the Bible says. God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all such smokescreens. We, you know, we think that he doesn't. God sees everything. God sees absolutely everything. He sees my coming and my goings. He sees everything about our lives. He sees and reveals our hearts and our motives. You may try and you may kid me, you won't kid God. But this is what it says. He holds you to what you've done. So the answer, it's no good saying stop it. What do we need to encourage people into? Well, here's the answer. I think it's important that we live compassionately. Live compassionately. That is where we allow his passion and his love for this world to be in our hearts. And there's a love and a compassion for the world and our neighbours. To love our neighbours as we love ourselves. But it's impossible to love our neighbours if we don't first love God. With all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. But I think it's really important that we live and have a basis of compassion. And the compassion here is you might be here with people who are being baptised and you're thinking, what gives them the right to go through it? Because I know what they did yesterday. I know what they did last week. And this is why Helen said, the reality is, you know, we're not, we're not perfect. And the guys who are going through the waters are not perfect. They're on a journey. But the journey says, I want to see them and rejoice with them as they're sincere. I'm going to compassionately look on with them and I'm going to help them on this journey. I am so grateful for men and women over the years over my life who have been compassionate with me, who have helped me, who have journeyed with me to a point of freedom and blessing. You see, if compassion decreases, this is important, Criticism increases. As compassion increases, criticism decreases. Got it? And that is the reality. So I conclude with this. Galatians 6 verse 1 through to 3. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. 
saving your critical comments for yourself. By the way, that is if people recognize they've sinned because there's people who don't want to recognize and take any responsibility. I'm talking about someone who recognizes they've failed and they acknowledge that they've failed. We are to forgive, forgive them and restore them and save our critical comments for ourselves because then he goes on to say, you might be needing forgiveness before the days are out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. I'm going to say this confidently. This is the word of the Lord. And often the response should be, thanks be to God. So I'm going to say it again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I wonder if the guys would jump on the platform. Come on, I want to see how energetic you guys are. Jump on the platform.